We the people take this moment to recognize the fact that we are recording from the occupied territory of the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi people, for those of us in the city colonially known as Chicago, and the Chumash, Keech, and Tataviam people, for those in what is colonially referred to as LA. We ask that you take this time to look up whose lands you currently occupy, learn their history, and take meaningful action to decolonize and restore those lands to their rightful stewards, and to support, uplift, and fight for Indigenous communities. Action items and resources can be found in the link tree on our Instagram, at WeThePeoplePresent. very first episode which is super super special uh my name is dana salah amar i am a actor musician activist from the city of chicago and my pronouns are she her hers asia hello i'm asia weltshire i am also an actor musician and i live in la tina (laughs) hi i'm tina munoz pandia she her hers um i I'm from Washington, D.C., but I live in Chicago, and I'm an actor, musician, teacher, and uh, all-around um, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to cut this, so that will be gone. No, keep it. <laughs> uh, Lionel. Hey, everyone. This is Lionel Renault. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, if Tina cuts it, she definitely also said she was a jerk, so I just want to make sure that got put back Damn in. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I um, live in Chicago. I am originally from Houston, Texas, but I have lived all over the world, like New York and Los Angeles. And I am an artist, an actor, an athlete, and an activist, which means I like to talk about a lot of shit. And I'm really (laughs) emotional. But I also talk about a lot of shit. Um, Yeah. Excited. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. hey oh. Asia, I think you forgot to say your pronouns. Ah, oh, shit. She, her, hers. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Let's just start it off. Like, what is this podcast? Um, Tina, why don't you start? What is this podcast? Well, I guess it's uh, important to know kind of where the idea for the podcast came from, um, which is that the um, originally Asia and Dana um, held a fundraising kind of variety event um, back after the 2016 election, kind of in response to that nightmare um, that uh, focused on uh, raising money for organizations that helped immigrants and refugees. And uh, we kind of revived. They brought me on this year. Was that this year? Oh, my goodness. To uh, this year to do a virtual event um, to uplift and center uh, the voices of Black artists. And um, and Lionel uh, hosted the event. So we're just kind of all four of us came together and uh, decided that the four of us have a lot of important stuff to say. And we all kind of come from different perspectives and uh, vastly different places in our lives and in the world. Um, but generally like just have conversations that are full of love and understanding and so um we wanted to kind of share the way that we you know are able to engage with each other um in the hopes that we can like maybe be a helpful model for how people can have conversations about um anti-racism and how we can and hold each other accountable to be better that was a very long answer uh dana i love it i love it it's good though yeah, so Asia and I, like Tina said, we started this variety show and then it grew and um, it uh, <laughs> it has become this 
awesome beast that is uh, encompassing kind of uplifting marginalized voices, um, including ourselves, and bringing to the table a way to speak to one another that is respectful, but also um, brings a learning environment, um, learning for us, and also an educational environment for the people that listen to us, too. Because what we want this to be is unfiltered, um, and we want to learn and we want other people to learn, too, because I think there is a massive lack of empathy and understanding from both sides, from all sides right now. Um, and I think there are a lot of factors that have contributed to that. But what this, for me, what this is actively trying to do is to combat that, is to bring empathy back to the table and to combat divisive ways of speaking to one another. Um, yeah. Asia? This podcast, We the People Present, a podcast, is, what is this podcast? Uh, this podcast is a lot of things, and some of those things are, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a, an ongoing conversation about current events and how they affect um, us and the people that look like us, um, and the people who are othered and um, quieted and pushed aside and marginalized. Um, and it's an exploration of our personal experiences uh, as it stands with what's happening in the world right now, specifically the upcoming election. Um, it's a, a way for us to learn from each other and create examples of how, hopefully, examples of how we can talk to each other about about things that are happening, even if we disagree on things or if we don't understand. Um, just, I think, I hope that it's going to be an example of, of learning and, and growth and respect and love for the people around us. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I definitely think there will be other ways we dive into this, but I just think to agree with everything y'all have said, this podcast is just something it's just a space for an ongoing conversation. Like this is the classroom. This is that class in school that we all took that we like couldn't wait to get to because it was that one teacher that allowed us to actually speak. That one teacher that allowed us to actually like be seen. I just don't think that there's room in the world right now for anything other than instant, which is dope in its own way, right? Like instant, send something and it happens in the moment. But I think that has taught us to not be patient. And this podcast will hopefully give breath to that of like, what does it mean to just like have your own lens and have to take a step back to take in other people along the journey? And what does it look like for them? So what is this podcast? It's just an ongoing classroom of like experiences, some dope, some hard, some crazy, some wild. And like, that's dope. So for me, that's what this is turning into. Yeah. And I also, I will say too, um, just because like this, the idea for this podcast started off uh, as kind of a different thing than it's turned into, I guess. I mean, you know, there's obviously like everyone said, there's room for growth. And I think like we'll be learning a lot as as we do this. And um, we hope that the people who are listening will as well. But we know that like the four of us, even though we have uh, drastically different experiences and come from a, a lot of different places, like we don't know everything. So we want to make an effort too to like talk to other folks and, um, you know, 
have conversations about like really specific things that we may not have necessarily a lot of answers on. Um, so having guests on is something that we're really excited about um, to, to engage in conversations with other folks too. Um, and in the spirit of, oh God, I'm such a jerk. Um, I've said it again, it's going to stay. Um, uh, in the spirit of like uh, engaging in uh, conversations uh, right off the bat, I something you said, Dana, really struck me about empathy and I, I mean, I, I like 100% agree that empathy feels like an afterthought right now in a lot of the conversations that are going on. But I also, for me, I think it's important to distinguish between having empathy for um, folks who are, are disenfranchised when you don't relate to that experience, um, when you come from a place of privilege, versus having empathy for a group of people that refuse to recognize your own humanity and that continually marginalize and harm you. Um, so while I will say like, yes, there is a lack of empathy in our conversations, there is an imbalance in where empathy is due as well. And the kind of empathy that we're demanding of people, um, there's like empathy for your oppressor and then empathy for people whose humanity you've refused to acknowledge. Um, and I just think it's important to say that. Mm. Yeah, Do you, totally. Would you say that, can I ask really quick, would you say that that puts in like a barrier or a level of, I guess what I'm asking is what is the distinction between like I have empathy for this thing and like I have to feel sorry for it or I'm asking for someone to feel sorry for me. Like I just feel like sometimes empathy is a conversation of, where am I going? Like if we all think that we're right then therefore it doesn't leave room for us to be like understanding. I guess, so what is the difference of like empathy and understanding and like how those vary when people are different when you're like, I do. Yeah. Like when you don't understand somebody or you don't understand where they, where they're coming from, like how do you mend that kind of conversation with someone? Um, and is empathy like on the table when that happens? Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking, for example, like specific, right? Let's be specific. If like, I'd say this all the time. Like I think that being, Cancel culture is a byproduct of privilege because the only people that can cancel or remove something out their life and it coexists are people with privilege and people of privilege because everyone else who doesn't have that opportunity has to live with has to live with whatever it is that is trying to oppress them and in doing so create collaboration in that and so there is a part of you that always has to look for a part behind the hatred or a part behind the dismissal in order to build the bridge. So I guess I'm curious on like, what does that look like not having empathy for people that do at the same time have, are oppressing you? Like, I don't think it's, I love you, but what is the collaboration or what is the connection? How do you build the bridge? Because mm -hmm. if not, is it just, is it that we just create tribes? I don't know. That was a big question, but your, your point made me think about that. It's like, is empathy solely love or is empathy solely like emotional in terms of like warmth or is empathy a conversation of like seeing self and self, even the ugly parts and like figuring out why that person sees something so ugly or is it not, or is it just like fuck them and move on? I don't know. I'm just asking. I think that just a quick distinction um, is that what we are doing here is not to try and kind of um, mend the, huge political gap that's happening right now our goal here is not to kind of in try to instill 
empathy for pe- if that happens great but for people that are um actively trying to hurt us in various ways i don't think right now our energy our en- to be honest i think our energy is wasted there i don't think that trying to <laughs> find somebody that hates arabs and have a conversation with them right now is the best thing for us and i think it wears um on us for sure so your bigger question i don't know and and for me when i think about empathy i think about the decline of the psychological decline of empathy across the board and the uh rise of ego so that's how i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about just psychologically and that has to do with social media and that has to do with all these other factors but that's that's how i think about that's how i can kind of <laughs> put it all under one umbrella if that makes sense so like empathy declines ego is on the rise and what i think this does is hopefully take the people that are willing to listen that are willing to hear what we have to say and maybe think out of side of their own box and and start to feel a little more empathy that they, they that they even had that capacity in the first place well well i think I agree that it is harmful for us to try to have conversations with people who are clearly refusing to examine their own experience or acknowledge that something is happening that they don't understand because of the color of their skin. I think that it can be harmful to people of color, BIPOC, to try to endure that. But I think that there can be empathy, and I might be missing the question, I don't know. I think that there's another conversation about empathy with people who are actively trying to learn and um, and trying to understand, and I think that's a good place to, to potentially, I don't know, because I'm also like, who fucking cares? Like, get with it. But like, if someone, if I know someone, I do know some people who are um, coming to grips with what's happening, and while I want to be very short and like, get over it, deal with it, get on board or get out of my life. Like I still have to have empathy for the fact, or I I can have empathy for the fact that their whole worldview is shifting. Like everything that they thought that they knew, everything that they thought was like just fine is now like crumbling and they're now having to come to grips with the fact that not only is the system fucked, they've been benefiting and working in and not recognizing that the system is fucked. So I think that there can be empathy there. Um, Agreed. And it's something that I'm always consciously trying to remember myself. You just said that so your your answering your question took thirty seconds. Mine took three minutes. <laughs> no, but like that I think that's the nectar of what I was saying too, just and the idea of it is like obviously there's far far one side and there's far the other side, but it's such an interesting gray zone to that same point of like what does empathy look like against implicit bias or just systemic biasness, right? And like is that love to try to wait for someone that you're like, take the veil off and let's get on board? Or is that like, what is that? So I'm excited for where the exploration of like what that is. Cause both sides see it as judgment mm-hmm. or both sides also see it as like, get with it. So like, where's the collaboration of like, mm. you know, again, playing in the field of like not far right, far left. So I'm interested in what we dive into that. With yeah. That. Yeah. I think that one thing that I find helpful for myself is because I think, Lionel, you're so right that, like, like is the answer that we just kind of separate into factions and, like, you know, or, 
What, what you said about love is so interesting to me because for me, the way I think about empathy is not in terms of love. It's in terms of um, relating and understanding some like where someone might be coming from or what someone might be like uh, experiencing. And that doesn't necessarily have to be an action of love. It's an action of openness and of, of willingness to try and understand. Um, and for me, I feel like uh, marginalized folks are in, like an understanding of what um, uh, like what white folks and what straight cis folks uh, go through is ingrained in our education. It's ingrained in the media that we consume. So like the empathy for that experience is part of what we're taught from like the day that we're born. Um, so I'm... I have to remember that for myself that like, I don't have to go out of my way to feel empathy for that experience because that experience is what I'm told is normal. And my own experience that I've lived is what I'm told is something to is an outlier is, is different. Um, so I'm, I, I guess I'm just like, like less interested. That's not the right word, but that's the only word I have right now in the conversation of like, well, how do marginalized folks um, reach out when like, all we do is reach out because that's how we uh, achieve power. That's how we achieve stability. That's how we achieve safety in the society is by reaching out to that experience um, versus that experience reaching to us and, and uh, allowing us, I mean, upward mobility at its simplest. Um, but then like, you know, I think Asia, what you said, I'm God, I have the longest answers in the universe. Um, I like to talk. Welcome to the podcast. Um, what like, understanding people's journey and understanding that people like need time to grapple with the fact that, yeah, their whole worldview is changing. And I find it really helpful to articulate when I do have conversations with folks who are maybe not where I'd like them to be um, in the conversation is to say like, I have the time and energy right now to engage in this conversation with you, but I do need you to understand that this is not my job. Um, this is not my responsibility. And that, moving forward, like I'm saying this now so that you will take this information and move forward understanding this and I won't have to repeat myself. Because um, that I think for me is like the most wearing work is when I like do, you know, put the time and energy into like, explaining something to someone and they don't integrate that into their journey, or into their understanding. Um, so I find it really helpful just to like use direct language like that. And, and, you know, if you need to say like, this is not coming from a place of like, anger or hatred this is just like me telling you that like I do this work silently all the time um, and I want you to see that other people are doing this work and not telling you and that it is wearing on them um, yeah and um, having conversations like that um, is kind of one of the reasons that we decided to move forward with this podcast um, so if everyone wants to chat about why this podcast and why now it's a call to action that I think there's so much right now of waiting for the perfect moment or waiting for the perfect thing, which there's just frankly no perfect fucking moment. So you just have to just pull the bandaid off and have conversations. I also think that there's so much attack on people who want to try to figure out conversations. I mean, we've mentioned earlier today the idea of like, I don't have to take care of anyone, but I do think that there are no spaces anymore for people to have conversations and be like, can I say this like this or can I not say this like this? And not in a way of like, um, train me, but in a way of like, 
how do we just have authentic conversations about issues and problems without feeling like I'm going to be canceled or without feeling like I'm going to be drug and and instead of magnifying everyone around our circle I get so frustrated because I feel people close in my life too they always it's this narrative that everyone around them is dumb or everyone around them is like not trying right like they're always like do the work but it's like who are you telling to do the work because I think more people than we think are actually doing the work it's that people don't have just the forward gall to just like do it and implement it and stick up and be brave so I think if anything this podcast like has to happen because enough people need to figure out they have to be brave enough and like it's also about representation um really small small story like I have a 15 year old niece and I love her so much and I was telling her about gay marriage and she's like that's cool you're gonna get married trans people barely have rights like and for me it was so big when Barack Obama won because it was my first time seeing a black president she's 15 and her hero was a black was a black man from the minute she entered this world so I think there is a bravery that doesn't happen as active as we think because we don't see the people that look like us being brave. So I think this podcast is also important because it's not just about being marginalized, but it's about like standing on who you are and just speaking on things honestly and firmly. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that the, sound clip. That's, that's it. the clip. That's the clip you used. <laughs> that's the money. Roll it, Cash roll money. it, print, print, honey. <laughs> Dana. <laughs> I have to follow that. <laughs> have fun. Uh, um, I think I agree with everything Lionel just said. Totally, a thousand percent. Um, I also think we spend uh, so much of our lives online, on the internet, on social media. We check that shit sometimes 30, 40 times a day. And I think it... There are pros, but the severe negative cons to it is that we don't listen as well anymore. And I think this came from one of my favorite shows, I May Destroy You, just recently, where she's talking to her therapist, and and her therapist says, you know, those platforms, they benefit off of speaking over listening. And I think that has kind of wormed its way into our heads. And um, it is also a platform where you say this thing and it could be an incredible thing, but it also confirms the bias in your head. Mm. And it also makes you less um, open to other people's ideas and other people. And for me, like, and this has only gotten worse during the pandemic, right? We've all been just stuck inside looking at social media all day, every day. And we can't even just speak to anybody for the most part at least in the beginning we weren't able to talk to anybody in person so it was just like you're just sitting there over and over watching people say things and not being able to have like this constructive conversation so for me the biggest thing that uh along with cancel culture would cancel culture <laughs> which is what Lionel was talking about <laughs> along with that I think what I crave was the type of like symposiums that we had in college or like how we could just talk and kind of bounce off of each other's ideas and if there was an idea in class that you didn't agree with that's fine that's you know like that's not a big deal and I feel like now it's just been like there's just such a reactive kind of 
especially online. And then that transfers to our real life, right? You know, you do that online all the time and then you just start speaking that way in real life and you don't want to listen to anybody else. That's why. Well, like, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but on that point though, it feels exact, exactly that. It feels like conversations right now, even it's called a presidential race, right? Like every conversation right now feels like it's a race. Like how can I beat you? How can I go longer than you? How can I do something and I win? It's like as if though we've moved from like a fish tank where we're all in this tank. There's really no entrance, no exit except the top if we're thinking about a fish tank. But the point is like it's just a room. It's just a vessel and we are in it and we're just moving freely in it. No one's above or beyond, but everything is about the race. Like did I put my black box up first? Did I incorporate this first? And it's just everything is a race. You know, um, one thousand. So we're racing. To your point, it's like there is no room for a tank and just people in it bouncing off ideas. Yeah, yes, I agree. a thousand percent. And that race. Sorry to get on this social media thing. Get used to this, listeners. This is all I'm going to talk about. <laughs> uh, just so anyway, uh, to to your point, that is ingrained in our heads because we want those little hearts again. We want like this dopamine fix. So it's like. You're being rewarded for speaking and you're being rewarded for doing these things the first time. So that's all that you're caring about right now. And your listening skills are kind of not complete. This I'm speaking in, in huge black and white terms and I don't exactly think that way. But your listening skills are starting to deplete, deplete simply because all you're caring about is speaking and saying the thing. And you're the first one to say it. So, yeah. I, I love this question in general of like, why this, why now? Because uh, I mean, we're all, we're all performers, like we're all in the theater and <laughs> like, that's a question that I think uh, artists and theater practitioners in particular uh, need to be asking themselves more. And I like, and should be asking is like, why are we doing this play? And why is it important that we tell this story now, as opposed to like, we want to do Arthur Miller again. And I hate Arthur Miller. Let's not start that conversation because I've already been talking longer than I wanted to. Um, <laughs> but um, so so that's like, that's a question that I think, I mean, I think, at, you know, that's the sphere I'm in is the art. So like, I feel like artists need to be asking themselves that and everyone needs to be asking themselves, why am I saying this? And why am I saying this now? Um, and, and I think this gets back to what Dana was saying of like, uh, leaving room to hear um, and not, and, and like Lionel was saying, not to have to be the first one to say this thing, not to have to like have the, the better take or like, you know, the, the most nitpicky opinion on something. Um, I think there is room for that. And I do think that information needs to be out there because it, for me, when I see something that like exposes something I may not have considered or, or calls into question my beliefs, um, or, or biases that I may have held that may have harmed someone, I get defensive and then I have to be like, no, Tina, like this is an important thing to incorporate into your thinking. Um, but then when we do speak, I, I feel like we need to be asking ourselves like, well, why is what I'm saying important to say in this moment? And and do I need to say it? Or is that taking away from momentum? Is that taking away from the actual helpfulness of this discussion? Um why how is what i'm saying actually contributing to an impact as opposed to like showing that i am smart or that i think in this way that you may not have considered like what is it doing um and i, I yeah i think it's important for us to model that kind of conversation now at this moment when when a lot feels really hopeless 
Um, oh God, I've been talking for so long. <laughs> Can I say something on, it might not piggyback off that, but I want to say it because that's something to do with like why this podcast, why now? I also think that there is, sometimes I think when we talk about marginalized groups, it's always this idea of woe is them or like, let's help them. Like they, they're like needing something. But I think a lot of times there's a comfort and a disrespect that I think walk hand in hand. Perfect example, yesterday I was with a friend. We were watching The Craft, which if y'all haven't seen it, it's so good. I haven't seen it in years. And it was so good. But we were watching it outside and we were like, some of the jokes just don't <laughs> track the same way. And there's a specific part in the movie where the biracial girl who's in it, um, her hair, which is natural. There's another character who makes a reference to her hair or her hairbrush. And she's like, ew, my brush has pubic hairs in it. And she's like, oh my God, never mind. That's such and such as hair. And the black girl hears her and she comes around and she's like, why do you hate me so much? And she's like, I just don't like niggeroids. And makes this joke and you're like, oh, that doesn't track. So pause that. We end up seeing another friend outside. And so it starts to rain and we're like, you know what? Let's go inside. So we go inside this open space in this building, huge building. We were able to spread out six feet apart. CDC don't come for us. We're scooting apart. Yeah, wear a mask always. And that friend had another friend who was in the lobby at the same time. It was like, hey, come over and meet. And so all four of us are sitting there just chit-chatting, skipping ahead to the point of the story. We were talking about how things don't track anymore. And this specific person, the um, person that was already in the lobby, he was like, oh, you know what? I um, I was talking to someone the other day and like, they really made me annoyed because like they they used, they used were using the R word when responding to someone. And I looked at my friend and I was like, what's the R word? And they like mouthed to me. They were like, oh, like, excuse me everybody but like they were like retarded and i was like oh oh got it i just didn't realize that's what our word was but like i agree let's not use it but there was such a sensitivity right with him being like i'm our word our word and disability and like i was like great and then i made reference to the crap reference maybe like three minutes later and this specific person went oh i mean she didn't say nigger she said nigroids I don't know this human being. I've never met this boy before. Today was day one. And the comfort of speaking to someone in a marginalized group with a reference that has been used to marginalize them is something that I find very frequent in people who are not marginalized. It's the idea of like, because we have come over or because I am not racist or I am not implicitly biased, there is a comfort with me being comfortable with you. So I also think this podcast speaks to that, which is the idea that like, you can be 100% see someone as equal but you cannot dismiss a comfort or you cannot fall into a role of comfort with them that is still using things that are harmful to them. So I think this podcast is also those examples and those experiences. That's it. I bow out. Thanks for sharing that, Lionel. Yeah, thanks, Lionel. Just don't ever don't use, use that word. Don't that use that word. word. Don't use that word ever, ever, ever. But, but it's also like, it, my bigger point is like, that is, and I think it's to tie back in, that is the empathy thing, right? Like, at least that's in my brain. It's like, we're also having this conversation because there are those people who do not realize that because you are not oscillating in a world at which you are racist or you are privileged or you're trying to act on your privilege, not clocking your own comfort or your own ability to like know something about a group of people and like use it unintentionally, but using it freely, you know, it's, yeah, I think it all comes together. And I did need to share that story because it takes nothing from me, but everything from the mirror. I'm like, what are you doing? 
to actually see people versus like, I'm better because I don't use this word. Those are two different types of people. Yeah. Um, and I guess piggybacking off of both of what you were saying, we're already having these conversations. We are a group of people who are planning events <laughs> and working um, on being better activists together. We were already having these conversations. This isn't like, hey, you're smart and I'm smart. Maybe we should talk about it. We were literally talking about it every week. We were talking about this on our team meetings. We were talking about this in planning events. We were talking about this in terms of like, we've just been talking about it. So why this? Because it's already happening. And why now? Because there's a fucking election coming. And why not? Like if anyone can listen to this podcast and gain some clarity on their own views or understand another perspective, and if someone can refer another person to our podcast and that helps clarify something that they had not thought about they had not heard in this way they had not heard an example of an empathetic conversation about things that they don't understand then we have done our jobs I mean we're not getting paid for this so (laughs) it's not a job but why this why now we were already having the conversations and there is impact to be made and if we can be part of that we want to be part of it right I love that I mean this stuff is ingrained in every single fucking thing in this country so the nuances of where it comes up and why it comes up and the um level of experience that people have with you know battling their own anti-racism and and um accepting things it's everywhere right so it's not just like these two far left or far right um public freakouts that you see it's it's everything in between for sure. Sweet. Um, well, with that, um, I, I feel like it's always, uh, you know, we in our events and on our social media try to incorporate action items into everything that we um, do. So like I was saying before, like in what way can I use this to be helpful? In what way does this help drive us forward? Um, and so um, I thought it would be nice to leave us on the note of um, all of us just kind of saying like, what's one way that um, y'all, the listeners, can take immediate action now um, to either combat your own um, biases, um, to do anti-racist work within yourself, or to do anti-racist work within your community, um, or, or you know, something uh, larger scale, just kind of, uh, what what's one thing that our listeners can do right now? Um, look up what's happening in your local elections. Um, local government is so, so, so important, and a lot of us have a lot of things coming on that November 3rd ticket. And the more you can advocate for what you want at a local level, the better. So look up what bills or laws or uh, local offices, a lot of senators, senators, flip the Senate, um, are happening. So look up your local election and um, text your friends and family, especially in key key states, to do the same. I think that the biggest thing between like performative and action is because when you're performing, there's a wait for something. There's a wait for something to be given to you. So I think like if from here on out, from hearing our podcast and motioning, like I just challenge our listeners to do things that don't require them to receive anything back. Because I feel like also a lot of the plug in our culture right now is like, I feel performative or like someone called me performative. And I think like those words are tossed out right now a little too freely because in a way everything is performative, blank. Because we're in a culture where we want to see it. 
So I think action is like when you do something and there's really no room for you to wait for the response to feel gratitude from it, right? Um, so if it is like we're saying, you know, vote, vote, that's like, that's an action, you know, have an accountability group of people that you reach out to and like you all have a set plan. Like that is an action. Know your senators. That is an action. Research racism issues, items, injustices around you. Like that is an action and hold people accountable around you to those same things you found. Um, but I think like really take time to decipher the difference between performative and action. Absolutely. 1000%. And I think the easiest way is to really like look into yourself and ask what your intentions are. Because if you really, really look deep enough, you'll know if your intentions are fake or not. If you're looking for that dopamine fix or if, if you're really just looking to make a change. Um, totally. I completely agree. Um, I think two things that you can do. Um, you can either become a poll worker so that has been, I know we are in the middle of a pandemic. So if um, you don't feel comfortable doing that, I don't, I do not blame you. But if you feel the need or the want, um, we need poll workers, a lot of them. And uh, another option that you can do, um, or another thing that you can do, you can actually write postcards to voters in swing states. I've done that before. Um, so if you, if you would like to do that, you can definitely do that. Um, we heard on NPR that Chicago is still in need of 3,000 poll workers for November's oh. election. It's a oh. lot of people. Uh, I just read today that over, I think, a million, something like that. There's an early voter record that we've already set. Mm-hmm. So next couple of weeks are going to be insane. So poll working and also, yeah, sending out uh, uh, postcards to swing states. There are a couple of avenues that you can go with the aclu has done that before but i think if you just type in postcards or sending voter postcards something should pop up for you there are some resources on our link tree actually um that too that that involve that as well vote forward you can adopt voters that uh either don't usually vote or haven't voted even if they're registered but you just fill in their name and why you vote and then you send it out when they tell you to vote forward's a good one um i I I mean yet yeah, like vote um call your senators uh phone bank text bank like do do anything that you are willing or able or have the capacity to do um to uh prevent this election from being catastrophic um but also um engage like the conversation feels a lot at least in my social media spheres oh god um like feels like it's centered on the macro and on the election and like on like that avenue of change but i think it's important to acknowledge too that like protests are still happening in a big way um protesters still need support um if you are able to get out there and protest if that's the avenue that you choose um to to fight um or offer protest support offer jail support um find out what the need is in your community um for donations of supplies donations to bail funds um all of that is really really important because that work that has been happening in the streets right now has done more for our individual communities um and for the national conversation than a lot of the institutional work um has so uh, keep supporting protesters keep being a protester if you can um and really look at your community and and find out what the actual need is instead of just like donating to where you think like 
it sounds good for your money to go. Like find out what places need supplies. Um, uh, do donation drives if you want. And you can check out the link tree on our Instagram, which is, uh, what is our Instagram? At we the people present. <laughs> oh God. Um, Cause it has a lot of resources about that on there as well. So just check out um, our Instagram for more information and more details about um, how you can engage and, and ways to be as helpful as possible. Um, and also, if you're in Chicago and um, you have the means to donate, Good Kids Mad City, they're out in the streets. They're doing incredible stuff all the time. Um, and also, um, My Hood, My Block, My City as well. So those are two in Chicago that I love and that I work with. And yeah. And... If you haven't downloaded the app, Goods Unite Us, G-U-U, it's an app that will tell you it's a women-led organization that you can look up so many companies and see what kind of corporate donations they give. You can see if someone is a big supporter of a party or even a person that you don't want your money to go to. So it's a good way to see how you're voting, how you're currently voting with your dollars because some of these big corporations donate like... Like Kroger is one and they unfortunately have like Mariano's under their belt. Sorry, Chicago. But many corporations are donating somewhere that you don't want your dollars to go. And you don't if you don't know that your dollars are going there, then you're accidentally voting for people that you don't want to be voting for. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but (laughs) there is a way to be a little more uh, impactful with the money that you do spend. And it tells you if there are clean companies that don't vote or don't donate either way, which is great. What is that again, Asia? Goods Unite Us, G-U-U, in the App Store. That's super helpful. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Yeah. thanks so much for listening, and we hope to uh, have you come back and listen to us soon. Oh, God. (laughs) How do we end? (laughs) Cut. <laughs> I th- I thought we came up with the song. Remember on one of our lists before we like had a little slogan thing. Cut. <laughs> hey everybody! Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Again, this is We the People present a podcast. Simply put, it's unfiltered, it's fresh, and it's right here for you. Have a good day. Bye. That was so good. <laughs> Y'all, we also don't have any sponsors, so can we all just um, smile really quick and laugh so I can make something for the Instagram reel in three, (laughs) two, one. (laughs) This is really what you do when you don't have money. (laughs) We're on the way up. Nice. Good team. I'm keeping all of this in. This is gold. God, thank God for editing, (laughs) y'all.